Book Four, Chapter Eight of the Late Mister Jonathan Wild the Great. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Read by Dennis Sayers. The Late Mister Jonathan Wild the Great by Henry Fielding. Book Four, Chapter Eight, in which Mrs. Hartfree continues the relation of her adventures. The first evening after we were aboard this vessel, which was a brigantine, we being then at no very great distance from the Madeiras, the most violent storm arose from the northwest, in which we presently lost both our masts, and indeed death now presented itself as inevitable to us. I need not tell my Tommy what were then my thoughts. Our danger was so great that the captain of the ship, a professed atheist, betook himself to prayers, and the whole crew, abandoning themselves for lost, fell with the utmost eagerness to the emptying a cask of brandy, not one drop of which they swore should be polluted with salt water. I observed here my old friend displayed less courage than I expected from him. He seemed entirely swallowed up in despair. But heaven be praised, we were all, at last, preserved. The storm, after above eleven hours' continuance, began to abate, and by degrees entirely ceased, but left us still rolling at the mercy of the waves, which carried us, at their own pleasure, to the southeast, a vast number of leagues. Our crew were all dead drunk with the brandy which they had taken such care to preserve from the sea, but, indeed, had they been awake, their labor would have been of very little service, as we had lost all our rigging, our brigantine being reduced to a naked hulk only. In this condition, we floated above thirty hours, till, in the midst of a very dark night, we spied a light, which seeming to approach us, grew so large that our sailors concluded it to be the lantern of a man of war. But when we were cheering ourselves with the hopes of our deliverance from this wretched situation, on a sudden, to our great concern, the light entirely disappeared and left us in despair increased by the remembrance of those pleasing imaginations with which we had entertained our minds during its appearance. The rest of the night we passed in melancholy conjectures on the light which had deserted us, which the major part of the sailors concluded to be a meteor. In this distress we had one comfort, which was a plentiful store of provisions, this so supported the spirits of the sailors, that they declared, had they but a sufficient quantity of brandy, they cared not whether they saw land for a month to come. But indeed, we were much nearer it than we imagined, as we perceived at break of day. One of the most knowing of the crew declared we were near the continent of Africa, but when we were within three leagues of it, a second violent storm arose from the north, so that we again gave over all hopes of safety. This storm was not quite so outrageous as the former, but of much longer continuance, 
for it lasted near three days, and drove us an immense number of leagues to the south. We were within a league of the shore, expecting every moment our ship to be dashed in pieces, when the tempest ceased all on a sudden. But the waves still continued to roll like mountains, and before the sea recovered its calm motion, our ship was thrown so near the land that the captain ordered out his boat, declaring he had scarce any hopes of saving her, and indeed we had not quitted her many minutes before we saw the justice of his apprehensions, for she struck against a rock and immediately sunk. The behavior of the sailors on this occasion very much affected me. They beheld their ship perish with the tenderness of a lover or a parent. They spoke of her as the fondest husband would of his wife, and many of them who seemed to have no tears in their composition shed them plentifully at her sinking. The captain himself cried out, Go thy way, charming Molly. The sea never devoured a lovelier morsel. If I have fifty vessels, I shall never love another like thee. Poor slut, I shall remember thee to my dying day. Well, the boat now conveyed us all safe to shore, where we landed with very little difficulty. It was now about noon, and the rays of the sun, which descended almost perpendicular on our heads, were extremely hot and troublesome. However, we travelled through this extreme heat about five miles over a plain. This brought us to a vast wood, which extended itself as far as we could see both to the right and left, and seemed to me to put an entire end to our progress. Here we decreed to rest and dine on the provision which we had brought from the ship, of which we had sufficient for very few meals, our boat being so overloaded with people that we had very little room for luggage of any kind. Our repast was salt pork broiled, which the keenness of hunger made so delicious to my companions that they fed very heartily upon it. As for myself, the fatigue of my body and the vexation of my mind had so thoroughly weakened me that I was almost entirely deprived of appetite, and the utmost dexterity of the most accomplished French cook would have been ineffectual had he endeavoured to tempt me with delicacies. I thought myself very little a gainer by my late escape from the tempest, by which I seemed only to have exchanged the element in which I was presently to die. When our company had sufficiently, and indeed plentifully, feasted themselves, they resolved to enter the wood and endeavour to pass it, in the expectation of finding some inhabitants, at least some provision. We proceeded, therefore, in the following order, one man in the front with a hatchet to clear our way, and two others followed him with guns to protect the rest from wild beasts, then walked the rest of our company, and last of all the captain himself, being armed, likewise, with a gun, to defend us from any attack behind, in the rear, I think you call it. And thus our whole company, being fourteen in number, 
traveled on till night overtook us, without seeing anything unless a few birds and some very insignificant animals. We rested all night under the covert of some trees, and indeed we very little wanted shelter at that season, the heat in the day being the only inclemency we had to combat with in this climate. I cannot help telling you, my old friend lay still nearest to me on the ground, and declared he would be my protector should any of the sailors offer rudeness. But I can acquit them of any such attempt, nor was I ever affronted by any one, more than with a coarse expression, proceeding rather from the roughness and ignorance of their education than from any abandoned principle or want of humanity. We had now proceeded very little way on our next day's march, when one of the sailors, having skipped nimbly up a hill with the assistance of a speaking trumpet, informed us that he saw a town a very little way off. This news so comforted me, and gave me such strength, as well as spirits, that, with the help of my old friend, and another, who suffered me to lean on them, I, with much difficulty, attained the summit, but was so absolutely overcome in climbing it, that I had no longer sufficient strength to support my tottering limbs, and was obliged to lay myself again on the ground, nor could they prevail on me to undertake descending through a very thick wood into a plain, at the end of which, indeed, appeared some houses, or rather huts, but at a much greater distance than the sailor assured us. The little way, as he had called it, seemed to me full twenty miles, nor was it, I believe, much less. End of Book 4, Chapter 8 Read by Dennis Sayers in Modesto, California for LibriVox